0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So, uh, you know, on the surface, it's kind of a slow news day, but it's really not, because we have a bunch of stories we're going to advance and give you some information. You'll get nowhere else. So let's begin with uh, President Biden's schedule today. Uh, Not uh, too heavy. In fact, he only had one thing, 2 p.m., he signed the PPP Extension Act of 2021 into law. What that is, is it gives small businesses um, until May 31st to apply for loans if you got hurt during COVID. So you can apply and the federal government may give you a loan. And it's kind of a no-interest loan. Sometimes you won't even have to pay it back depending on your circumstances. But that's all the president did the entire day. Now, I'm sure he did other stuff, but wasn't on schedule. Now, tomorrow, a busy day, he goes to Pittsburgh on his Help Is Here tour. I wish I had thought of that because, you know, I could have used it instead of the no-spin news, Help Is Here news. That would have a nice ring to it. So the Help Is Here tour uh, goes to Pittsburgh, all right, where the president will promote his American rescue plan. All right. That's more spending between three and four trillion dollars more. So I emphasize that because we're going to get whacked the middle of this year, end of next year um, with taxes. And if you believe that you're not going to pay more taxes, then I'm glad you live in the land of Oz. It must be a happy place. I do. I remember all those flowers and the yellow road and all that. All right, let's get down to the border, which is, I mean, I've seen massive problems in my time covering news, but this one's up there. So you remember that uh, Kamala Harris was appointed to oversee the border, but now she's not going to do that because uh, the vice president doesn't want to do it because she knows it's not going to get any better. So behind the scenes, I understand that Ms. Harris is very mad that uh, President Biden kind of gave her this, dumped it in her lap. So now she's not going to be the problem solver at the border. She's going to be the, quote, diplomatic liaison. Now, let me get that again. The diplomatic liaison. Ah, I got my Claude Rains going on here. All right, (laughs) what does that mean? It really doesn't mean anything, but she's going to be the point person in talks with Mexico and the Northern Triangle Nations. All right. Do you know who the Northern Triangle Nations are? Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. All right. And I know all three countries well. I didn't know they were the Northern Triangle Nations when I was down there getting shot at, but... They are. So apparently, uh, Vice President Harris is going to be in charge of diplomatic efforts. I don't know exactly what they will lead to, but I suspect it will lead to nothing. In fact, she doesn't even have a trip down there. She might go, but maybe she won't. So this is all a facade, a ruse. Yes, uh, President Biden and Congress will send billions of dollars to those nations. Will it be money well spent? One word Haiti. Okay? One word. All right. The latest stats Sunday, or two days ago, 5,767 children taken into Border Patrol custody. One day, 5,767. But it's not a crisis. No, <laughs> no. Now, the projection. A month ago, February 26th, that's the Biden administration. Biden administration said, well, we think by May we'll have 13,000 migrant children. Now it's 25,000. The real number will be 35 to 40,000 children. Because if you get here and you're under 18, you stay forever. So... Parents are trying to get their kids here any way they can, paying the uh, cartels, the people smugglers, a lot of money, get the kid here because then the kid stays. And subsequently, the parents will be allowed to come to join the child. It's a humanitarian thing. So that's what's going on. But at CNN, they're not so concerned about the border crisis. Roll the tape.
1: And now the new Fox narrative is, when will Biden go to the border? Why hasn't he gone there yet? Why isn't he there right now? We're going to hear that every day, by the way, until he takes the trip. That is how right-wing narratives trickle into the rest of the press, and they divert attention.
0: Right-wing narrative. That's what this is all about. It's not about millions of foreign nationals going to come to the United States this year. It's not about that a right-wing narrative. So, if you know anyone that watches CNN, can you just ask them why they do and then report to me, Bill O'Bill, Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com. I would just like to know why anybody would do that. Why would you waste your time watching that? Not many people do. You know, their ratings have cratered since Donald Trump has left the scene. but. You know, maybe a million, an hour Do What, what are, you, are they thinking? All right, the uh, trial uh, in Minneapolis. Okay, so we told you yesterday we're going to be very fair. We're not going to cover this on TV. are not going to do any of that because that's not fair. I'm going to tell you two things here. Um, actually, three things. The left-wing media, that includes CNN, of course. They've already convicted the police officer, Derek Chavin. He's guilty. We don't really need the trial. We should just basically have an electric chair set up at CNN or NBC News and just put him in it. That's it. There's really nothing else to talk about. We'll tape.
1: If this is considered legal conduct from a police officer, if you can do this in broad daylight and not go to jail, It it will be perceived as open season telling police officers from coast to coast, you can literally get away with murder in broad daylight. To do that to a black man at 38th in Chicago, um, where the whole world saw it right afterwards on the on the video. um, I just I can't imagine there not being a, a conviction.
0: At some point, did it not become intentional that you would not relieve this man's pain, that you wouldn't step
1: up? And, and, and release your knee from his throat.
0: Okay, so he's guilty. All right, and this whole trial thing, I don't know why we bother with this. Now, contrast what I just showed you to my message of the day. Put it up on the screen, I'll read it to you. The trial of the Minneapolis police officers whose actions led to the death of George Floyd is obviously necessary But will end badly for the country, no matter what the verdict. I am keeping track of people who have convicted the former officer on television and in print. They are due process deniers. But it is also wrong to disparage Mr. Floyd, even though he was involved with destructive things. The simple truth is he did not deserve to die that way. All good people should agree with that statement. We will cover the trial events in a fair manner. The jury is obviously under immense pressure. The Black Lives Matter organization will exploit this terrible situation no matter what happens. And so will the white supremacy groups. We'll update you on this. And we'll have the latest on racism, madness in public schools, which is coming up. Uh, okay, so that's my message of the day. I think that's fair. If you don't think it's fair, please let me know. Again, Bill at Bill so a Black Lives Matter already had one demonstration, Minneapolis, 200 people. All right. They gather outside the Hennepin County Government Center. Uh, and uh, I don't really know why they're gathering. Um, the justice system is underway. The three police officers involved have been fired. They're all going to stand trial. So I guess it's America's bad. I guess that's what it is. But this is just the beginning. Uh, Let's go to Washington, D.C. So there's a story you may not know about because none of the networks or cable news covered it except Fox. Okay, so on Tuesday, last Tuesday, one week ago, two teenage girls, age 13 and 15, their names being withheld by authorities, tried to hijack a car. In Washington. And the car they selected was being driven by an Uber Eats driver. Okay? His name, Mohammed Anwar. He's 66 years old, or was 66. So the girls uh, hopped in the car with a stun gun, all right, and tried to drive away as Mr. Anwar was delivering food. He ran out, grabbed the door of the car, and the girl zoomed away. Uh, overturned the car. Anwar was killed. The two girls were being charged with felony murder and armed car jacking. Okay, so this might not rise to a network story or a cable news story because it happens so often. However, the fact that they were two girls ages 13 and 15, African Americans, who killed uh, an immigrant adds another layer onto the story. So here's what happened on FNC. Go.
1: You got these teenage girls. I mean they're little kids. Not they're not gangsters, they're not hardened criminals. I don't think they intended to kill anybody. They were looking for have a joyride and it just went way wrong, way out of control and ended up in a gross tragedy. I mean this is unbelievable. Their lives are ruined. Well they brought and a stun gun. Dead. So usually you don't bring a stun gun yeah. to a joyride, but go No, ahead. I just think Correct. I mean, it's like, you know, kids finding guns in their parents' house. I don't know what to say, Jesse. It's awful. It's a terrible situation.
0: Okay, so trying to diminish what happened. Now, Mr. Williams should know because he lives in the city of uh, Washington, D.C., that 23 youths, ages 12 to 17, have been arrested this year on carjacking charges. So this is a trend. This is what's happening. And this happens in San Francisco. It happens in all the places where law enforcement has broken down. Young kids have no fear of the police or the system. They want to steal a car, they're going to steal a car. They want to shoot you with a stun gun, they are. So somebody's dead. I think it's a pretty worthy story. Now, if it were the reverse, if two white youngsters jumped in a car driven by an African-American, the African-American was killed, do you think the networks would ignore it? No, they wouldn't. You know it. Ever? I know it. We all know it. So we're living in a country that doesn't have any kind of fairness at all on the political or media level. None. Zero. And that's frightening. Okay. Um, mm, 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 mm. One more, and then we're going to get to our guest. We have a good guest tonight. You're going to be interested to hear what he has said. So the Oregon Department of Education, like many state departments of education, very worried because minority group test scores are not good. Okay. So instead of basically concentrating on lifting the test scores by giving minority children who are at risk um, more attention and tutoring, they're going to knock out the courses. So, In Oregon, they may put in something called a pathway to equitable math instruction. Quote, the class is described as an integrated approach to mathematics that centers black, Latinx, and multilingual students providing opportunities for ongoing self-reflection as they seek to develop an anti-racist math practice. So forget about math. Not doing that. We're doing the reason you don't know math is because society is racist. And in any math problem, there wouldn't be a right or wrong answer. Any answer that you put down is right. <laughs> Jesus. Now, the course guide says this, quote, white supremacy culture infiltrates math classrooms and everyday teacher actions. Coupled with the beliefs that underlie these actions, they perpetuate educational harm on black, Latinx, and multilingual students, denying them full access to the world of mathematics. This is just certifiably insane. So you're not going to teach minority children anymore. You're going to tell them they're victims of a racist culture so they don't have to learn math or English or history or anything. Joining us now, Jonathan Butcher. He is a a Skillman Fellow in Education at the Heritage Foundation, coming to us from Greenville, South Carolina. This can't surprise you, uh, Mr. Butcher, because it's happening all over the country, is it not?
1: That's right. It is part of a cultural shift going on in our schools right now. This equitable math can be linked to what's going on in California with the new Ethnic Studies Program. Same things are happening in North Carolina with social studies in Illinois with a teacher training certification program. And they're connected by the ideas that you just outlined, right? That there is no authentic truth, that finding the facts don't matter, that experience matters more. And like you said, that teachers train students for resistance. They're being trained to be revolutionaries, effectively. And here, even in the case of math, So what this is going to do ultimately is turn
0: out a bunch of American children who don't know anything, is
1: that correct? Well, and not just with math, but it's turning math from a technical skill into an issue of civics or even ethics which transforms us from uh, having a shared American culture, from having a shared experience where we treat people according to character into something where we are divided by tribes and where we have to treat people differently according to their tribe and that America really doesn't belong to any of us. It's a scary thing. This is a cultural shift that's been uh, ongoing now, uh, especially in the past few years. So it should be troubling really to everyone and not just because of the focus uh, away from facts
0: Okay, but it isn't troubling to everyone because, number one, everyone doesn't know about it because the media isn't covering it. And number two, if you oppose this insanity, say you were in Portland, Oregon, and and you went into the public school, uh, school board and said, look, this is crazy. Uh, I don't want my kid not to know any math. I want you to teach my child traditional math. You'd be branded a racist. You'd be called a racist if you did that. So the people who oppose it, many of them are frightened, and then the others don't know because it's not covered by the media. Am I wrong?
1: Well, I think you're exactly right. I would add to that that what we can do is say that those who are promoting these ideas in its critical race theory is, is what is driving this equitable math, as well as what I mentioned from North Carolina and California. But what we can say to them is that these critical theorists Uh, have abandoned what the civil rights movement accomplished. And that's what they're after. They actually say outright that the critical, that the civil rights movement was too slow. And even that our representative government doesn't move fast enough according to them. And the only way that their objectives of disrupting our culture can happen is through this disruption. It's through a complete departure from our shared experience of values, independent um, uh, value by persons and civil society. Okay, but the president of the United
0: States is encouraging this by his equity program. You say tribes and that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. Well, he's saying my administration is going to favor certain people. We're going to give them things that other people don't get in America
1: because this is equity. Right? Well, and that's why the 1776 Commission under the Trump administration and the 1619 Project from the New York Times—that debate is very important. It's not just about history and civics. It's about shared ideas. It's about what it means for America to have a shared identity. And when the Biden administration took the 1776 Commission's report and essentially made it disappear uh, shortly after he took uh, President Biden took office, that's a cultural statement, right? That's not. This isn't an issue of history or inaccuracy. This is an issue of how we define uh, what our nation means to each of us.
0: Look, the progressive left doesn't want a shared experience and they don't want any traditional values in America. They want socialism. And if you don't sign on to that, they don't want you to have any say or any power. That's what it really all comes down to. They're they're training these children in, in Oregon and California, North Carolina, they're not going to be able to make a living. These children are not going to be able to make a living because they're not going to be able to speak. They're not going to be able to write. They're not going to be able to do mathematics. They, they will not be able to do it. And they're not going to get into the Ivy League schools no matter how much Biden says he wants equity. Ivy League is going to look at their scores and go, no. So they'll be going to community colleges where they don't know anything. And I'm not running down community colleges. I'm saying that this is a pathway to dependence. That's what this is. These kids are always going to be dependent on the federal government, which is
1: what the progressives
0: want. Last word.
1: Well, I think that K-12 schools are reflecting what's been happening in higher education for decades now. These critical ideas have been there forever, uh, even since uh, almost the turn of the the 20th century. So these critical ideas are being taught in colleges. They have been developed there, and now it has trickled down into K-12. And that should be, uh, as we look for uh, what the next generation is going to look like, we need to look no further than the free speech riots and the violence on college campuses in recent years. All right, Mr.
0: Butcher, thanks very much. We really appreciate your time today. And uh, I hate to put such a pessimistic face on it, but it isn't the rich white kids that are going to suffer here. Not. My kids go to private school. All right. They don't have any of this. That doesn't happen. But I got to pay. All right. And a a significant amount of money. So my kids are going to be educated. They're going to be able to do tasks and hold a job. The poor kids are not. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Okay. Senator Elizabeth Warren, one of the biggest socialists in the uh, country, she's attacking Amazon. She says Amazon doesn't pay its fair share. What's the fair share? Whatever Warren says it is, whatever the federal government says it is. There's no fair share. So she lambastes Amazon, but Amazon, to its credit, fights back. Quote, here are the facts. Amazon has paid billions of dollars in corporate taxes over the past few years alone. In 2020, we had another $1.7 billion in federal tax expense, And that's on top of the $18 billion we generated in sales taxes for states and localities in the U.S. Congress designated tax laws to encourage investment in the economy. So what have we done about that? $350 billion in investment since 2010 and 400,000 new U.S. jobs last year alone. Amazon. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren wants to destroy that. Why? Because Amazon is a capitalistic corporation. Elizabeth Warren wants Amazon run from Washington. She wants the federal government to run it, all right? Thereby looting the company and its tax, its uh, shareholders, taking 40, 50, 60%, all right, and putting it in the government treasury so they can dole it out to other people. That's what socialism is. But I'm glad Amazon's fighting back. Um, Pew Research Center poll. How much time do you spend on the Internet? Now, I've told you that this is a huge, growing problem in America. So 85% of Americans say they go online on a daily basis. 31% say they're online all the time. They never get off. 48% log in several times a day. 6% say once a day, 7% don't use the internet. Only 13% of American adults are not active on the internet. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. And when you're young and you live on that internet and you're not experiencing the world, you'll pay a price. Cancel culture, another poll, Harvard Harris. 1,945 registered voters, all right? 64% say there is a growing cancel culture threat to their freedom. 64%. 33% say there isn't. Who are those people? Who are the 33% who like the cancel culture? That's the progressive left. Now, that's a pretty big number. So it can't all be progressives. I put the progressive number at about 20 percent. The other 13, I guess, are clueless. But I'm, I'm happy to see that 64 percent understand what this cancel culture thing is. Saddleback College. I didn't, never even heard of this, but this is great. Saddleback College is in Mission Viejo, California. It's small, obviously. Their nickname is the Gaucho. You know what a Gaucho is? There's the, there's the mascot at saddle back. You know what a gaucho is? A gaucho is an Argentinian cowboy. They're called gauchos, and they are in the pampas. So you remember your geography. <laughs> you don't. Know. Now, gaucho is also a cookie. It's got a little um, peanut butter flavor in it, I think. Okay, so the gaucho is just a cowboy. But Saddlebrack is saying, no more Gaucho. Put that mascot up again. He's gone. Why? Because using the name Gaucho is a cultural appropriation. It's racist and it's non-inclusive of female athletes and women in general. Because they're cowboys. <laughs> gone. Gaucho. I'm sorry. I'm sorry they're gone. All right. I mean, I, you know... If somebody, if some Martian came down and said, ah, This is a satire, O'Reilly's doing a satire. That's how insane this country is today. All right, here's a, here's a good story. So there's another college. Um, and uh, it is, let me find a college Shawnee State University. Shawnee State, Portsmouth, Ohio. So Shawnee State says to all its professors, you have to address students by whatever pronoun they want. So it's no longer he or she. Whatever pronoun they give you, that's what you got to call them. If you don't, we're going to punish you. So a professor named Nicholas Merriweather, 25 years teaching, okay? He's a, he teaches philosophy, religion, ethics, and the history of Christian thought. He sues because he says that Shawnee is going to either fire him and cut his pay or do something bad to him. And the suit goes his way. He wins. It's protected speech. If he wants to say he or she in a classroom, he can. And that's the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, that ruling was handed on Friday. You will hear this story nowhere else. It will not be reported anywhere else. And this is part of the stand up for your country. So Nicholas Merriweather and Amazon, they stood up against the madness and Nicholas won. Boy, so as I've told you before, I'm sitting here on Long Island about eight miles away from New York City, from Queens, 22 miles from Manhattan. Last week in New York City, population 8 million, crime was up 40 percent, 4-0, over the week in 2020. Why? Why? Because the entire criminal justice system has collapsed in New York City. Why? Because Governor Cuomo signed a no-bail law. Even if you're a violent criminal, you are not held on bail. Go right out. And Mayor de Blasio is a communist and has no interest in enforcing any law. Nothing. So, let me prove it. Yesterday, we told you about 19-year-old Raquan Wilson, okay, who has been arrested five times for carrying a powerful handgun. Five times. The latest time, he was let out without bail. After five beefs, he pled guilty to one. He's, another one is going into court. All right. He was convicted as a minor. That's sealed because that was in 2016. So that's five years ago. He was 14. Carrying around a nine millimeter. Okay, The judge let him out on bail. No bail. None. Walked. So yesterday, Raquan had to show up in court and they remanded him, I think because of me. I could be wrong, but I think on WABC, we made a pretty big deal out of it. That's the powerhouse radio station in New York. And now he's going to be sentenced on April 27. So he's at Rikers now because he knows he's going to have to do state time. But if you're going to let a guy who's 19 and he's a gang member, all right, he's in the faith something gang. I don't even know what it is. Folk, folk nation. I'm sorry folk nation gang. It's a gang member. They know. So they let him out five times. What do you think is going to happen? That's how New York City is conducting its criminal justice today. And now the legislature in Albany, and remember, Governor Cuomo signs all of this stuff. Now they're going to have a new situation where Criminals can sue police. Right? Though anybody that's arrested can turn around and sue the people, the cop who arrested. They had indemnification. They're trying to knock that down. So now you're not gonna have any law enforcement. None. If I was a New York City cop, and my grandfather was, I'd find a job someplace else. Why do you want to go to work every day if you make an arrest? The person's gonna turn around and sue you. You imagine. How many bloodsucker lawyers are going to be lined up to take those cases for free? Trying to get money from the individual cop in the city? It's a total breakdown. Another poll, Pew Research poll. 12,000 adults. Was Donald Trump a good president? Ready? 17% say Mr. Trump was a great president. 18% 18% say he's good, that's 35. And 12% say he's average. So that's 47% were okay with the Trump presidency. 53% say he was bad or terrible. 89% of Democrats say bad or terrible. 73% of Republicans say good or great. This day in history, March 30th, 1981, President Reagan shot. I wrote a book on this. I think it's the best book you'll ever read on what President Reagan went through. Um, John Hinckley um, shot him. Also shot White House Press Secretary James Brady as Hinckley. Uh, Secret Service agent Timothy McCarthy, severely wounded. District of Columbia policeman Thomas Delahunty, severely wounded. All right. Reagan was in surgery two hours, almost died. This close. And a lot of people don't even remember this. This was 40 years ago. They don't even remember. Now, after he came out of surgery and the the guy was making jokes. This is the president. I mean, it was incredible how he handled it. But he went downhill. And I write about that in the 25th Amendment. So if you're interested in any of that, read President uh, Reagan's ordeal in killing Reagan. And I got criticized for writing this book because I told the absolute truth, which the American public never heard. And Ronald Reagan, in the end, made an amazing comeback. I think I'm using the word miraculous comeback. I I do believe. And he believed it, too. He believed it was the hand of God that lifted him up from that grievous, grievous. He was 70 years old when he got shot. Okay. We'll take a quick break. We got a really good mail segment. And then a final thought about Politics by faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast, politics by faith. All right, let's go to the mail. Norman Reinwald, do you believe President Biden should be impeached, even though Democrats won't do it? For what? You know, I mean, President Biden hasn't done any high crime or misdemeanor. He's not enforcing border law, okay, but that's not a crime, unfortunately. I mean, I think he should have to, but you can't charge him with anything. So, no, I think that would be a travesty. Thomas Roy Atkinson, New Hampshire. Why do you say Joe Biden does not know he's lying? He's in decline, but he's not impaired enough to believe that Trump let children starve. My point is this. He just reads stuff. He just reads it. Um, He doesn't know what he's reading, in my opinion. Zena Connor, Trivoli, Illinois. Would you please explain the difference between an executive order and the law? Zena, executive order applies to federal property, federal jurisdiction. So, president can't just write a law. I want to outlaw Tylenol. Can't do that. But in anything that has to do with property or jurisdiction, a president can write an executive order. Okay. Lucy Spencer, Sandusky, Ohio. Bill, is there a reason the states of Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona cannot build their own border wall? Yes, because the border is the sole exclusive territory of the federal government. That's why Biden was able to shut down the XL pipeline, because it went through federal land. And he stopped drilling for oil on federal land, but he couldn't stop companies from drilling for oil in Midland, Texas. Can't do that. So... The borders are the subject of the federal government, and the states cannot intrude. James Liddick, Gatesville, Texas. I normally agree with you at 99%, Bill, but today you said the cruise industry should require a COVID vaccine car to take a cruise. I disagree. Okay, I mean, I respect dissent, but for public health and for business, if the cruise ship says only vaccinated passengers... Number one, more people take the cruise. And number two, you are knocking out most of the spread of COVID. So that's just the reality. Freeman Thurston, Woodbury, Connecticut. Bill, will you stop calling the gas price a tax? It's not a tax. Yes, it's caused by Biden's policy, but it's not a tax. If The price of lettuce goes up because of something the president said. It's not a tax. It's artificially... Driven. It's a tax. Now, if you want to just split hairs, Freeman, which I think you're doing, OK, but you know it's a tax. If Joe Biden hadn't attacked the oil and gas industry, the gas prices wouldn't be going up. They're going up so that those corporations can stockpile cash because they know that cars are going to be outlawed, gas driven car and everything else. So they're stockpiling. So that's an indirect tax. Maybe I should have been more precise. Indirect tax. Linda Merrill. Um, Ter- Terribon, Oregon. I think I'm saying that right, Linda. Bill, enjoy the No Spend News. It's honest. Now my gas last fill was $3.30 a gallon. On March 2nd, I paid three o five, dollars And on Memorial Day, you'll pay three fifty. dollars And on 4th of July, maybe four. Not going to stop. Jim Young, Castle Rock, Washington. Thank you, Bill, for saying out loud that the Vietnam War was not lost by the military. That meant something to me. Look, any historian who's honest, anyone knows the U.S. military actually won the actual fighting. But because it was so screwed up by politicians that we fought to a stalemate as far as a treaty was concerned. The North Vietnamese could not take over South Vietnam because of us. Viet Cong we wiped out early on in the conflict. Okay? Once we left, they violated the treaty, and it was over. But there's no way that any responsible historian could say the U.S. military lost the Vietnam War. Ivy Jeans Sky Eagle, Arlington, Texas. So where is the Durham report? Sadly, I trusted Bill Barr. So did I. So did I. It was a sham. Maybe Mr. Barr will come on this program and explain it. Actually, we'll put a call into him. We'll put a call into William Barr. He's not going to come on. But I, I am very disappointed. Forrest, my employer gifted me a premium membership. Tell him, thank you, Forrest. I love the honest, no sense aspect of the no spin news. The only news I watch, I'm concerned about the potential mileage tax. I'm wondering if there will be an exception for those who use their vehicles for it. It's not going to get passed. They're not going to have a mileage tax. All right. The outrage would be so bad that even the Democrats aren't going to do it. But they want to. Claude. Love the Nostman News, why I subscribe to BillOReilly.com. Your stories are gold. Thanks for truthful information. Keep it coming. We will. Okay. If you need direct access to me, and I am very pleased to help thousands of you with problems you may have, I think we give the best advice around. That's concierge membership on BillOReilly.com. Check it out. That's words, it's weight in gold. I tell you. Um, if you pre order Killing the Mob out May 4th, you get 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. Word of the day, do not be callow, C A L L O W. Right back with a final thought on what happens when you're mean to somebody. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID 19, the Trump Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what The Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not gonna find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, final thought of the day. You know about Alcoholics Anonymous, um, probably the most successful Um, organization to get uh, people off booze and i think they do a little drugs too more than three million people worldwide are aa members now one of the tenets of the alcohol anonymous it says make a list of all persons you have harmed and you are supposed to make amends to them all make direct amends to such people whenever possible so that means that in the throes of addiction, people do terrible things to other people to get money. They betray, they lie and this and that. But I'm going to take it beyond addiction. Okay. I'm going to take it to everyday life. If you hurt somebody, even unintentionally, if you get angry or you're deceitful or you're weak or whatever it may be, and you know you did, sorry is just not enough. You got to do something. Now, it depends on what the indiscretion is. All right, but you should make amends somehow, just symbolically. So think back. Think back about people you may have harmed, and maybe it's a flower. You know, maybe you send them some flowers or or maybe you send them a small gift or you offer to do them something, a favor, or whatever. Make amends. I think it's a real positive thing that isn't encouraged in this society anymore, that it's just not enough to be sorry. You got to kind of make a reparation, if you will. Thanks for watching today. See you tomorrow.